revealing himself to the disciples, to the, to the women who came to the grave, to all the people that had followed him. I think he just couldn't wait to show up and show off. I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. He wanted them to know that he was alive because he knew if, they, if he wasn't alive, if he didn't make it known to them, they wouldn't make him known to the world. And that's the very thing. He reveals himself to us. When we're talking about what did Jesus do, Jesus revealed himself to us. And in turn, what are we to do? We're supposed to do what he did. We are to reveal him to the world. Because I'm telling you, if you haven't been reading the paper, if you haven't been keeping up with the news, we are in a pickle in this world. And we need Jesus to rise. We need Christians to rise up more than ever and be a, a voice for this camp, for this world because it's getting bad. We have a couple in our church that have ministered to the family that uh, those families where those two boys were shot last week. The day before resurrection celebration, all these young men go in and destroy the lives of two others and in the process have destroyed their lives and families' lives. Listen, that ought not to be. Man, we need more young people going through these waters, getting saved and going through these baptismal waters, being filled with the Spirit of God and being a force in this, in this city for good and for the kingdom of God. I grieve over those things. As a pastor in this city, as a as a member, as a, a part of the body of Christ in the city, we should grieve over these things happening in our city. We shouldn't just sit idly by and go, oh, there, that was just a terrible tragedy. Listen, if your neighbor didn't know Jesus and you haven't told them about Jesus, I'm telling you, he's revealing himself today so you can reveal him to your neighbors, so you can reveal him to those that you work with. It's, we've been quiet too long, church. Be quiet too long. God wants you to know him. He wants you to know his son better than anybody else. He wants you to know he wants you to know him better than your closest friend because he is your closest friend. He wants you to know him better than you know your father and mother because he is your father and he is your mother. He wants you to know him more than you know yourself because he created you. He knows you better than you know you. He wants you to know him. He's revealing himself to you all the time. Through nature, through the word, through, through messages, through simplicity, the simplicity of looking and watching a child be born. He wants to reveal himself to you in a fresh way. Some people, you're here this morning and you're in the midst of a crisis and in a crowd this large. There's some of you that have walked in here hopeless. There's some of you walked in here with addictions. There's some of you walked in here with family problems, with marital problems, with children problems, with financial problems. And you walked in here and God wants to reveal himself to you in the midst of your stuff. It's where he meets you. It's in the valley, the shadow. That's where he shows up. And I've told you this before, and I'll tell you this again. When I was sick a couple of years ago, and I lost about 50 pounds, and, man, I was depressed, I was discouraged, I was rehabbing at my sister's home, and I, I didn't know what to do here. I'm a pastor of a church. I'm a pastor that teaches that we God is the healer, and yet I had to go through surgery, and I had to go through all this mess and to get where I was, and I felt like, what, is, what has happened? God, where are you? Have you ever asked that question? Come on, if you're honest. Have you ever asked that question? Well, Pastors aren't supposed to ask that question. We're supposed to have it all together. And I asked that question, God, where are you? So Mary Lou had this teaching video by Graham Cook and, and our, a DVD and our, a, a CD, and I listened to it. And he was teaching on where is God in the middle of your storm or where, where ask God where he is. And so I'm thinking, okay, 
God, I want to ask you. So I got up the next morning and I, I got my coffee and went on the back patio, just me and God. And man, I was, I was discouraged. And I said, okay, God, I'm going to try this. Where are you now? Because I don't feel you. I don't hear you. I don't sit you. And you know what? It's clear as day. It's probably the second time I've heard God's voice so clearly. So clearly, while I'm awake, not in a dream or a vision, I was wide awake and he, he said this to me. He said, Harold, I am the lifter of your head. I don't quote that verse. I don't go to that very often. I, I just heard God say, I'm the lifter of your head. Mary Lou's not going to lift your head. She can't do it. The doctors can't do it. The medication can't do it. The diet can't do it. I can do it, Harold. I can lift your head in the midst of what you're going through. And he can lift your head today no matter what you're going through. He can lift your eyes up beyond the hills where your help comes from. It doesn't come from the mountains. It comes from beyond there. It comes from God himself. And he wants to reveal himself to you today no matter what you're going through. And I know some of you personally, I know that you're going through some horrible things. But God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. That's not just a good scripture. It's the truth. You know, some of you, when we talk about really knowing Jesus, and we, when he really wants you to know him, and he reveals himself to you, how many of you have ever thought you knew somebody, and after you got into certain situations with that somebody, you found out you didn't really know them at all? Anybody? Can I get a witness? You went to business with somebody, man, you thought this guy was the right guy or this woman was the right person, and man, I'm going to go into business, I can trust him, and not too long into the deal, you find out that they're a liar, they're a cheat, they're a thief. You go, well, I thought I knew them, and they weren't anything like you thought. You've dated somebody, you thought, well, you know when you're dating, you know how it is when you're dating, you're at your best, Right? You don't go pick up your girlfriend on a date and she comes out looking like she just got out of the bathtub and her hair is all stringy and, you know, she just got on her worst clothes and then she's dirty, she's stinky. You know, you don't go pick up a girlfriend like that. You pick them up, what do they do? They're prancing outside. Woo! Got the, got the lipstick on, got the hair done. They're all looking good and they get in the car and they smell good. That ain't the real them. <laughs> that ain't not the real them. Especially if you marry them, you'll find out that ain't the real them. They got faults. They got faults. They don't, you know, I'm not even going to go any further than that. I could get in trouble. Just going to leave it at that. But you think you know somebody and you find out some, you know, you think this is your closest friend. You got, um, this is my friend. I can trust him. You know, how many of you got close friends? Just close friends. Man, you could tell them anything. They wouldn't tell anybody, right? They wouldn't tell anybody. But you think you know this person. You think that they're your best friend. You think that you've developed a level of trust with them. And so you finally tell them the deep, dark secret. Deep, dark secret of your soul. And you whisper it to them. And you tell them, well, don't tell anybody. Ooh. Mm-mm. And then the next day you see on Facebook your deep, dark secret. You thought you knew them, right? If you write stuff like that on Facebook, I like to find, I will come see you. Or I'll send somebody to see you. Edify, edify, edify on Facebook. You know what edify means? Build up, not tear down. That goes a long way in, in cleaning up Facebook if everybody would just do that. 
God wants you to know him. He wants you to know him intimately. When Jesus, before he, was a, before he went to the cross, he said to, to Philip, he said, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus was revealing the Father to Philip. Jesus was always revealing him. He was always wanting to show everybody what his Father looked like. And he, he was showing people what Holy Spirit, how he looks. He was always about revealing himself and revealing and in turn revealing his Father and revealing the, the Holy Spirit. He wants to reveal to you his love, his power, and his grace, and his mercy today. He wants to reveal to you his strength when you're weak. Because he can lift you up in times of weakness. He wants to reveal to you his grace when you're in the middle of your sin that can cover your sin. That his love can cover your sin. That his blood can cover your sin. He wants to reveal himself in the midst of what you're going through today. So this is a challenge I want to give to you even as we approach the invitation. Because I'm almost through preaching. As we, as we come toward the invitation, I want you to understand. I want you to ask God. God, I'm in the midst of this stuff. All these things are going on in my life. Where are you in it? Who are you in it? Who are you in it? In the midst of this to me. Who are you in the midst of this to me? Because if you're in financial problems, he may just whisper in your ear this morning, I'm your provider. You thought it was your job that was your provider. You thought it was the government who was your provider. You thought it was your savings account that was your provider. And Jesus says, I'm your provider. I will supply all of your needs according to my glorious riches. I will supply your needs. And he'll whisper that to you this morning. And you think, oh, I've got to do this. I've got to sweat this. I've got to worry about this. And God says, I'm the one. I'm the one. You're here this morning. You have a physical ailment. ailment and you're thinking that the doctor's the one to trust. The medicine's going to get me through all this. And Jesus will whisper in your ear this morning, I'm the healer. I'm Jehovah Rapha. Or whatever you're going through, God's promises are true. And he will meet you at the point of your greatest need. Verse 33 says, So they rose up that hour, that very hour, and they returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with him gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed. And he's appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. I'm thinking when Jesus broke the bread with the two men from on the road to Emmaus, when they took him in and they, and then they had that meal, remember their eyes were open when he broke the bread. I don't know if they got a glimpse of his hands when he broke the bread, but I have a feeling that they did. They might have just seen the nails prints in his hands as he broke the bread. And then he vanished from them. And they went back a lot faster to Jerusalem than when they were leaving. I guarantee you they were hightailing it. Man, if they could have got, if, they, if there was other modes of transportation, they were probably going to get it. We got to get back. See, they were walking away. And now when, the, when Jesus comes, he has you go back. You go back. You go back in fellowship. You go back with the rest of the believers so you can receive the power of the Holy Spirit to go and do what I've called you to do. Now they said these, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. That's kind of like those angels. They're freaking out. Look what it does. It didn't say they were freaking out. It says, but they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit or a ghost. And he said, Jesus said, then why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see. Touch me. Feel me. He said, I want you to see that I'm not a ghost. For yourself, the spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy, and they marveled, he said to them, 
got anything to eat? Don't you just love Jesus? Don't you just love him? I mean, the way he did that. He said, touch me, feel me. I'm not a ghost. Hey, you got anything to eat? And they're standing there the whole time going. You know, when I read that, they did not believe for joy. I, I, the way I look at that is when he revealed himself to them, their response was, what? I can't believe this. It's really him. I don't believe it. I don't believe. I believe it, but I don't believe it. You know what I'm talking about? They, 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 they did not believe for joy. They were so excited. They were marveling. I believe that they believed, but it was just, it was just the moment that they were caught up in this moment of overwhelming satisfaction, overwhelming joy, overwhelming. They were marveling on Jesus Christ was back with them in the flesh. He was revealing himself once again to the disciples. So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb. And he took it and he ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Here's the best way to know Jesus. You really want to get to know Jesus. First of all, if you don't know him, that means you have not invited him in. He is not. He will not push his way in. He will not force his way into your heart. You have got to, by submission, say, God, I need you. I need Jesus. I need my, I need my sins forgiven. I, I come to you. I, I just receive you. And the first thing you have to do is invite him in. The second thing I want you to see, when you invite Jesus in, you know who you're inviting? You're inviting the word of God in. Because when you invite Jesus in, you're inviting the word in. Because he said, this, he, the, uh, Jesus said, I've come in the flesh, in the, the word. He said, I'm the word and I'm dwelling among you. When he came back, when he was sent from heaven, the word of God is Jesus Christ and he lives in you. So when you invite him in, you're inviting in the very word of God, right? He says, our, the word of God is written on our hearts. You invite Jesus and you've got the word of God written on your heart. Listen, Brandon's a new Christian. All these kids, these young boys, they're new Christians. But I guarantee you that the Holy Spirit will speak to them without them knowing a ton of scriptures. He's going to begin to direct their steps. He's going to begin to show them some things. And they, they don't even have to. They don't know them. They'll know them by the Spirit. Because the word of God is in them. Because Jesus is in them. And he says, listen, get to know me. Get to know the word that is in you. But get also to know the written word that I've given you to guide your life. And then the third thing it is when you invite Jesus in and the word comes in, the Holy Spirit also comes in. Listen, when you're saved, I believe this. Some of you may disagree. I believe that when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the indwelling Holy Spirit, he comes and resides in you and he never leaves. Never, ever leaves. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He says, he's come. He, he's to, he seals you with the promise of the Holy Spirit. I like the word sealed until the day of redemption, until he comes back. So we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now, some people think you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to walk in the power to live a Christian life. I disagree. I believe that that initial infilling of the Holy Spirit is enough for you to walk a solid, victorious, successful Christian life for yourself. So, see, some people, whoa, you got to get the baptism or you won't have the power to live for Jesus. No, 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 no. You get the Holy Spirit. you got the power to live for Him. 
Now, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which we're not, we're going to talk about that more so when we get closer to Pentecost. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not necessarily just for you. It's more for other people. When he blesses you with a baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's so you can, he'll give you these gifts. And all the gifts are meant to be used in the kingdom of God, in the family of God, in the church of God, to, to, to bring people into the kingdom. To see people healed, to see people restored and delivered. But listen, when you get the initial, uh, bat, uh, the indwelling Holy Spirit, you have it. You've got enough. And some people, well, what happens? You're not letting cry. What happens to people that they just kind of seem to follow by the wayside? Listen, for one thing, the church is not discipling that your church should disciple. Jesus said, go and what? Make disciples. He didn't say just go and get them saved and get them baptized. He said, make disciples. We've got to be training one another. We've got to be teaching one another. So when you get the hope, when you get Jesus, you get the living word, and you get the power of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes in, he will teach you. He will teach you even about the word. It says he will reveal all truth to you. Let me tell you something. I believe in both. I believe they work together great. I believe that they never contradict one another. The word of God and the Holy Spirit never contradict one another. They can't. It's impossible for them to. That's like Jesus, uh, the Father and the Son contradicting each other. They can't do it. It's not possible. It's not in their DNA. But I'll tell you what they will do. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God will always complement each other. Somebody tells you, they come up to you, and oh, the Holy Spirit told me that I'm supposed to leave my wife. That's a lie. Oh, the Holy Spirit told me to go rob that bank in the name of Jesus. Well, that's a lie. That's kind of extreme, I know. But people kill people, and they say God told them to do it. That's a lie. That's a lie. Because God said, don't murder. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not murder. So they always work together. And then finally he says in verse, uh, Luke 24, 46 through 49, Now that you know him, you've got to make him known. Then Jesus said to them, this, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached. Preached. Jesus said, I've come to bring the gospel to the poor. Preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. He said, Go and preach. Before you even get the power, you're going to preach. You're going to live the life before other people. You're going to tell people about Jesus Christ. That's where we're at, church. If you know him, he wants you to make him known. If you know him, he wants you to make him known. He don't want you to make yourself known. He wants you to make him known. If you're in it for you, you've messed up because you're prideful. But when you, when you stand up and say, I want to introduce you to my king. I want to introduce you to the king of kings. I want to introduce you to the one that's given me a... Uh, eternal life. I want to introduce you to one that heals my sicknesses and my diseases. I want, to, I want to introduce you to the one that has restored my marriage. I want to introduce you to the one that's made the old things passed away and all, everything's new. I want to introduce you to him. When he reveals himself to you, no matter what you're going through, you need to in turn reveal him to other people. Would you stand? Can we have the ministry team at the front? All the ministry team, all life group pastors. We didn't have enough for the first service. So we need you. Let me encourage you as a ministry team. Uh, 
prayer warriors. When you get through praying with somebody, come back in in case we need, need you to pray with somebody else. Okay? You just bow your heads and close your eyes quickly. Some of you are going through some things that may be similar to what I, maybe my story uh, hit a nerve with you this morning. You're going through some things, and it looks kind of hopeless. And you're looking for Jesus in the midst of it, and you're asking, where are you? And, you know, God can handle all those questions. I don't think we can, we offend God by asking him where he is. Just gives him an opportunity to reveal himself. But maybe you're at that place this morning, going through some tough times. I told somebody told me the other day, maybe we tell new Christians that everything's going to be good and God's good and everything's going to be a rosy in their life after they give their life to Christ. And I thought, man, I hope we're not telling people that that every, that life is is a is a cakewalk after we get saved because it's not, right, Christians? We still have to pay bills and we still have to deal with sickness and trials and tribulations. That that's just the fact that we live in this world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. And we respond differently. So if you're here this morning, you're walking through some really, a dark valley, so to speak. And you need to hear from Jesus this morning. You need to hear from the Holy Spirit. Actually, God uses these godly people up here to speak life into you. So if that's you this morning, I want to pray for you. And also, if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus. That's the most important thing, most important decision you'll ever make is knowing him. He knows you. He wants to know you want you to know him. So if you don't know Christ this morning, we're gonna even offer you to come forward for this invitation to accept Christ in your life and begin this beautiful journey. Father, I bless this this group of people this morning. I can see it on their faces. Some of them are just right there, they're dealing with some really hard things. Lord, you want, to, you want to bring healing to them. You want to bring some encouragement to them. And so, Father, I pray that they would humble themselves and, and come forward and say, I need help. I need prayer. And that you would give our ministry team even revelation. You would reveal yourself to them as they pray for people how to pray. It's important, Lord. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're here this morning, you need prayer. I didn't ask for a raising of hands this morning, but... Some of you here this morning, you're going through some tough things. Step out and come. We want to pray for you. They'll take you to one of these prayer rooms, and they will pray with you and get some information about you and, and, and just help you walk through some things. So if you need prayer this morning for anything, step out and come. We want to pray for you. We're going to introduce our member, new members right after this. So don't, please don't run off. And uh, we want to introduce. We, we've got a lot of new people joining, and we want to make your, their faces known to you this morning. If you need prayer for anything, step out and come.